kids are going? I guess so. All right. The rest of us, let's turn to what might be somewhat of a familiar passage as we're doing a loose series on the book of Psalms here on Sunday nights. Uh, We cannot skip Psalm 1. It is the introduction. Some have called it the Psalm of Psalms. And certainly within its very short six verses, there is just the entire scope and sequence of world history, of everything that we face. The psalmist divides this little song into two parts, the godly and the ungodly. Uh, I want to challenge you. You're going to be one or the other. You cannot be both. Uh, you must make a choice. You can be blessed or not blessed. And if we look here, the idea of blessing, uh, we have this uh, emphasis today on positive things. And uh, many years ago, everything was positive thinking. I remember listening to Robert Schuller, the Crystal Cathedral. Does anybody remember him? He was on the television all the time. And turn your scars into stars and send me $100 to help build my Crystal Cathedral that went out of business. And uh, actually it did. I I don't know who has it now. Uh, But um, it's uh, uh, pretty sad. Mr. Olstein tried to pick up where... Robert Schuller left off and talking about your inner champion. Uh, how many of you had your inner champion defeated this week? Uh, almost all of us have. And uh, listen, it is not relying on ourselves. It is relying on Jesus. And Psalm 1 here, let's just read through this psalm. Read silently with me as I read aloud. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. All negative. Now we get to the positive. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, That bringeth forth his fruit in his season, his leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Why? Because his delight is in the law of the Lord. His meditation is day and night in God's word. He is going to be doing and going to places that God wants him to go. We get to the second part. The ungodly are not so. But are like the chaff which the wind driveth away. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. We look at this short psalm. And I would think that every one of us here tonight would say, yeah, I want to be in the blessed part. Uh, If you're going to have the blessings, there are some things that you just 
cannot do. And as we look here, we'll notice the realm of human activity. We have walketh not, standeth, and sitting. So, if you're walking, standing, if you're, well, have, let's put it right here. If you're not walking, standing, or sitting, someone says, well, I'm laying down. Well, you're not living life if you're laying down. Hopefully, uh, most of us have gotten past the point of doing bad things in our sleep. Amen? Uh, uh, the, the issue here is the activity that the blessed man partakes in is not governed by the counsel of the ungodly. Uh, I've often given uh, I, I, so many examples here, but years ago I had a preacher sit down and he said, listen, he said, what we do really when we evangelize is marketing. And you just need to understand that. And I said, wait, wait, uh, well, I was a young preacher at the time, so I just smiled and let him talk and talk and talk. But as I got home, you see, marketing means I'm selling something. And you know what? I have met some marketers for Jesus. Uh, I, I've met, had to, uh, I've met many men over the years, uh, and uh, I, I will tell you, I actually uh, got to meet Dr. Jerry Falwell many years ago in person, sat beside him, talked to him for about 10 minutes at a meeting at the college I attended. My brother actually went there, and, and uh, it was hilarious. I mean, uh, my brother graduated Liberty in 1990. I met Dr. Falwell probably 1985. And the first thing he said to my brother, who was working in the sports department there, he said, Montoro, do you have a brother at Baptist Bible College in Springfield, Missouri? I mean, he was right on it and made the connection. Uh, I, I will tell you that uh, Jerry Falwell was one of the most brilliant men of the last century. Uh, he would do something great no matter what he was doing. Which is one of the reasons his ministry was as successful as it was, even though he was doing so many things that nothing to do with the Bible. It's really frightful when you do that. And we have to understand something. The world is out there to help us. The world will help you. The world is not wrong about everything. Even some of the psychoanalysts, I mean psychologists and psychiatrists and all of those people, they're not wrong about everything. Some of them have some very good answers and counsel that they have stumbled into, but everything, all the other garbage that's attached to it is not worth the effort, my friend. You see, the counsel of the ungodly is everywhere. It's one of the reasons so many of our young preachers are turning their back on this old King James Bible. Is they're just listening. You, hey, why do we make this an issue? Could I promise you this? We did not make this an issue. It's the people who want to get rid of this book have made it an issue. 
See, all the world always turns everything inside out. All we want to do is stick with the best that we can have in our language. And I challenge you, you're not going to find a superior or anything even near this old King James Bible. Be comfortable with it. Learn the words. Uh, people say, I got a problem with all the these and the vows. Well, believe it or not, they actually had a problem with these and thou's and 1611 when they translated it. That was old English. They weren't Middle English, actually. They weren't using that, but they brought it back to keep the understanding. Let's not abandon what we have to get something that we can't get. You cannot please the world. I've always wondered about this word scholarship, and I've always been pretty much negative uh, toward it. I'm not against education. I'm not against reading. I'm not against truth in any way. But have you ever thought about this thing called scholarship? Who makes scholars? Well, other scholars do, don't they? And it's scholars that approve each other. I want you to understand that God did not submit His Word for peer approval because there are no peers. And and we would do well not to play that game. You see, when we stand before God one day, He is going to judge each of us for how we walk. Did we walk in the counsel of the ungodly? I have it here in my notes. The world's answers are not always wrong, but they're never right. When the world is right, it's simply because they're agreeing with the Bible. So why don't you start with the Bible and forget about the world? First uh, Peter, Second Peter, actually, all things that pertain unto life and godliness, they're, they're all, we already have them, but we're not using them. That's why we fail. That's why we don't make the cut as we're looking other places stands in the way of sinners. Now, that really could have a double meaning. Uh, the, the primary understanding is walking in the counsel of the ungodly or standing in the same place the sinners stand. You know, that's why we encourage people. If you've gone through the discipleship, we get up to a point and then we start trying to stress how you're supposed to live. You know, they're just places uh, that a Christian ought not go. I have never been in a movie theater. And one of the reasons is simply this. I walk in and you don't know what I'm watching. And if I walk in and watch a PG-13, I know somebody out there is going to be, Ah, pastor watches movies, so I'm going to watch whatever. 
Listen. Standeth in the way of sinners. Don't be caught where the sinners are. We don't go into bars to witness to people because people don't go into bars to find out about Jesus. And I've had people, these people that believe this, tell me, well, how many people are coming to your church? Uh, The ones that want to. Amen. The ones who are willing to be and follow what the Bible says. And then there's another thing here, standing in the way of sinners, is trying to stop sin in this world. Standing in front of them, keeping sinners from doing You cannot Christianize the world. How many of you are old enough to remember the moral majority? That was a political, quasi-religio-political movement, I guess is how you would say it if you were a scholar, uh, uh, based on some very broad principles uh, that there is one God. Uh, And yet... The Catholics prayed to all the saints and they were welcomed into the moral majority. Basically, what the, tr- the standard was, uh, if you want more of Carter, don't join the moral, Macar- uh, moral majority. If you want something different, if you want something conservative for a change, join the moral majority. And, and they got Ronald Reagan elected president, uh, something of which I'm not against. But... We need to understand our main job is not obstructing sin. Our main job is following Jesus. Do you know the most obnoxious thing that we as Christians can do to the world in which we live is to live righteously? You ever thought about that? It's like our neighbors moved in. Their name was Campantelli Italians. Our name was Montoro. My grandfather immigrated from Italy. And so, hey, good Italiano family, come on over and have a glass of wine. My dad says, I don't drink. Uh, Well, we're giving a little party on Saturday night. My dad says, we don't go to parties. He said, what do you do? He says, we go to church on Sunday. Would you like to come with us? Click. Never heard from them again. They lived next door for 20-some years. You see, if you really want to be offensive to the world, and that should not be our primary goal, It's not going out there and laying down in front of the gay pride parade marchers and saying, You can't march! They love it. You're helping their cause. They love playing the victim. Live righteously. That's not standing in the way of sinners. Amen? nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. And this is probably the most dangerous one. 
I don't know if the Lord will ever let me put this down in writing or not, but I call it the Solomon Complex. Something we've had to deal with on many occasions over the years is a person will grow to a certain point in their spiritual life and they will gain uh, some wisdom from the Bible, a little bit of understanding. The, The Bible calls it prudence. But then they'll take the next step to Solomon. How many of you have read through the book of Ecclesiastes? See, Solomon's problem was he understood more about sin than the sinners did. Solomon put himself, when you sit in the seat of the scornful, what you're really doing is setting yourself upon a throne and judging the world and other Christians because they're not as good as you are. Uh, One of the commentaries I just read a little blip out of said, the most evil man can get is when he gets to the seat of the scornful and begins to scoff and to deride everything. What was Solomon's final word? Vanity of vanities, all is vanity, thus saith the preacher. He says, there's nothing left to life. Well, there certainly wouldn't be anything left to life when you've given yourself to wine, when you've given yourself to idolatry, when you've given yourself to immorality, when you've given yourself to everything that this world has to offer. And Solomon was saying, there's no satisfaction anywhere. But do you remember what he said at the end of the book? He said, serve God. Don't become an old, doddered scorner. That's what happened to Solomon. We we can justify anything in our own mind. And I will tell you, I, I fight the temptation all the time. I mean, we live in a world that is so... Full of stupid. It's just seeping out the cracks. I mean, is it not? I mean, just look at the news that's going on here and, and how they twist things. And I mean, the news media has become the third political party in the United States, uh, endorsing the most radical and rabid nutcases that they can find. And, uh, I, 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 but if we're not careful, we'll ascend to the throne of the scornful instead of finding those who will listen and give them the truth. It's easy to fill your mind. And one of the things that I just despise about all of this social media is these little bloggers that go out there and, man, they just have something to say about everything. And and they want to tell you where to go so you don't get burnt toast in the morning with your breakfast and 
and they're just going to, uh, you know, parse every word the president says to try to prove how foolish he is. Well, uh, you know, why don't you go out and make $5 billion on your own and then come back and criticize him? How about, how about we start there? Uh, I, I'm not that smart. That's way above my pay grade. You know what? We're going to pray for our leaders tonight because the Bible tells us so. It says, blessed is the man. If you want to be blessed, there's some things that you cannot do. You cannot get counsel from the world. You cannot be found where sinners congregate. Standing means being still. The other point is, it is not your job to clean up the world in which we live. God will take care of that all on His own. How about you take care of your life? Amen? Uh, I'm sure most of us would say, there are some things that I could improve in my life. So let's not stand in the way of sinners. And let's pray to God as a church that He would keep us out of the seat of the scornful. Now, here's the clue. Here, I mean, here's the cure. Here's the way you don't... You never get there. It says, but His delight, the opposite, His delight is in the law of the Lord. Of course... I think living in New York City, Brother Jet referenced New York and New York City. I mean, just totally uh, sensory perception overload from the moment he crossed the George Washington Bridge until he left, I'm sure. Uh, And that is what New York City is to most of the world. But in New York City, let me just give you a really biblical illustration. Delight. Cannoli. Doesn't that work? I mean, you talk about something that is just too good to eat, but we do it anyway. Uh, one of the uh, young ladies was talking about the bagels, and I said, well, I said, if you want something too sweet to eat, they do have cannoli cream cheese at the, at the bagel place up here. And she comes back and says, oh, thank you for giving me to telling me about the cannoli. I mean, she was so sugared high, she couldn't hardly pronounce words. Uh, um, But let me ask you a question, and this is convicting to me as it is to, I hope it would be to you. When's the last time you've gotten excited, as excited about something you found in God's Word as you did about a cannoli? Now that's pretty sad, isn't it? How long does a cannoli last? Well, if you measure it by the taste... Five or six minutes. Maybe if you eat it really slow, mine never make it that long. If you measure by the scale, they could be around for months, right? Uh, But the simple truth of the matter is, no matter how long you wear it, it's still temporary. God's Word is forever. Delight is in now notice what he says here he doesn't say in the promises of God he says in the law of the Lord and what David is making a reference to was the law of God that he had Genesis Exodus Leviticus Numbers Deuteronomy 
primarily Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Uh, the last part of Levit- Exodus and then all of Numbers and Deuteronomy. He says his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law doth he meditate day and night. I'll tell you, biblical meditation is one of the greatest things you can do for your mind. Read your Bible and then think about what you've read. It is more mentally taxing than a chess game. It will keep your synapses firing, as they say. And one of the things that I just love to do, and I try to bring it out in sermons on occasion, is as I'm reading my Bible, have enough of a knowledge of the rest of my Bible to know what passages in the Bible are connected to the one I'm reading. That will do something that nothing else can do. But I promise you, you're going to have to get through this book 25, 30 times before it even starts happening. You're going to have to familiarize yourself with these words. That's what the idea of meditating is, is is mulling it over in your mind. If you will do these things, You're not going to walk in the counsel of the ungodly because your mind is going to be full of the counsel of God. You're not going to be standing in the way of sinners, either trying to stop them or congregating with them because this book called the Bible separates you from them. And you can never get to the seat of the scornful because the more you understand the Bible the more you understand your own failures and your own sinfulness, and that keeps you close to God. Now, here's what it says. Verse 3 is the last part of this. It says, And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. Now, here's the idea here. Trees technically do plant themselves. But they don't check where they plant them. I mean, the seeds flutter out of the thing and they just fall on the ground. And the squirrel grabs the pine cone and uh, takes it up to his nest and chews it all up into little pieces. And some of the seeds survive and drop to the ground and uh, and the tree grows. But, uh, ladies, how many of you enjoyed uh, Lyndhurst in the gardens up there and those beautiful trees? I mean, some of the only examples or few living examples of of certain varieties of trees, uh, the Dutch elm disease killed just about every elm tree in the North American continent. But there's, if I'm not mistaken, there's at least one up there on the Lyndhurst estate that's still living. Uh, it uh, It may not be an American chestnut or American elm, but... Some of those trees are just gorgeous. A weeping birch tree. Uh, white bark with all the long branches just laying down like a weeping willow. Just beautiful, beautiful trees. They were planted there on purpose. Here's what the psalmist says. If I will delight myself in the law of God, if I will meditate 
I'm going to be like a tree that was planted on purpose for a reason. It says that that tree was planted on purpose by the rivers of water. Why? So that the tree would have plenty of nourishment to bring forth his fruit in his season. God has things for his people to do. If we could grab a hold of that. He's got, he's got fruit that he wants us to bear. Read John chapter 15. Read it. He says, I want your fruit to abound. I'm going to purge you. I'm going to do things. I am the vine. Ye are the branches. And it says, his leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Every time I read this, I remember uh, southern Florida, they have what they call live oak trees. How many of you have ever seen a live oak? Little tiny leaves. But, I mean, the size of those trees. There's one at the Alamo that was standing there when Davy Crockett and all those men died, and it's still there today. A live oak never sheds its leaves like the oaks do in the northeast here. It grows all year around. And when uh, the shipwrights built our first navy, the USS Constitution and the USS Constellation, sister ships, they used live oak planking and live oak beams. I mean, some of those beams are... 20 inches square and they run through that ship and they hold it together and they used to call the Constitution Ironsides because that live oak, even though they dried it and warped it into the shape of the ship and built it in, still had a flexibility uh, of almost a living tree and the cannonballs, unless they were just absolutely huge and very well propelled, just bounced off the sides. Because there was some flexibility built in. How did that happen? Very slow growth. It never stopped growing. It just kept little tiny bit at a time. And those, that grain of the wood, those individual layers that make up the wood were woven so tight. What an incredible idea here. It says his leaf shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Now, people love to preach that last phrase and said, you just tell God what you want to do. Well, what's in your heart? Is that not the counsel of the ungodly? Solomon said the fool desires to know his own heart. I'd like to know God's heart. How about you? I would like God, many times in the Psalms, it says, incline my heart to thy ways. We, we need God to tilt us in the right direction. Uh, uh, they, uh, back years ago, Dr. Spock wrote his book in the early 60s about raising a child and said you're going to warp their character and... I'll tell you what, if you warp them to the right form, they'll turn out right. If you don't, they'll just turn out warped. 
and history has proven that over and over and over again. The ungodly are not so. They're like the chaff. How popular today is the name Nero? I haven't looked at the charts, but I don't think any parent... I mean, they keep coming up with more more and more weird names for kids than ever dreamed possible. But Nero has never made the top ten list. I'll go out on a limb. I, I don't believe Nero has ever made the top ten list of names for children uh, in America anyway. Because Nero was a dog. I mean, he was a terrible, terrible man in every way. And yet, at one point, he was the most powerful man in the world. He was the emperor of Rome. He didn't make it very far. The ungodly are not so. One of the things you have to understand about what's going on today. Yeah, it looks like the wicked are winning, doesn't it? But they're not going to be around very long. God's going to be here forever. His word is going to be here forever. The ungodly are not so. All of these fads, they have to keep coming up with new ones. How many of you remember when hairspray was destroying the world? We were all going to be fried with UV rays because of hairspray and deodorant. And there's a hole in the ozone layer. The dirty little secret is that hole has been there in the ozone layer since God created the heavens and the earth. And, And it does change. And it moves around a little bit. But it's kind of interesting. It's over Antarctica where it doesn't hurt very many people except scientists. And uh, they're already hurt before they get there. We'll stop right there uh, and keep moving. The, they come up, a coffee was going to kill you. Remember that? You, you're going to get cancer if you drink coffee. Now they tell you four to eight cups a day will give you things. Uh, yeah, it'll give you lots of things that maybe you don't need. You don't... Uh, Stop listening to the counsel of the ungodly. Uh, I guess one of my favorite one is, put your hand to the plow, your shoulder to the work, your ear to the ground, and just try to get something accomplished in that position. Uh, That's what the world tells us, isn't it? They're here today... They're gone tomorrow. That's what it's telling us. Don't pay attention. Look what it says here. Therefore, the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. I've heard people say, Oh, when I stand before God, I'm going to tell Him... Oh, yeah. Well, let's see how well that one works out for you. They can't stand in the judgment. That, what that means is, when they stand before God, they will not have an answer. 
You know what? You know why I have an answer when I stand before God? The blood of Jesus Christ, your Son, cleanses me from all sin. That's the only standing I have in the sight of a holy God. You know what? Sinners don't want to be around righteous people. It just says sinners are not going to stand in the congregation of the righteous. I love the story Brother Clayton tells. I'm not sure if it's true or not about a man trying to catch a cruise ship and he runs and misses, uh, makes a mistake and just literally dives over the edge onto the cruise ship and finds out he made his, uh, just joined a Christian cruise. And he finds out the bars closed, the casinos are closed. And uh, the way the story goes is someone heard him grab his head and goes, This is hell! And uh, makes sense to me. How about to you? I've had people say, What do I do about my unsaved friends? Uh, You won't have to do anything if you'll not walk in the counsel of the ungodly, stand in the way of sinners, or sit in the seat of the scornful. If your delight is in the law of God, if you meditate, if you fill yourself with God's Word, every once in a while passing out a track, what is this? Oh, it's just like... uh, what whatever you know, like their their hand touched acid or something like Dracula and light or something like that. I don't know. Uh, they're they're. Don't worry about the unrighteous. Don't worry about the sinners. Worry about God. That's what He's telling us here in this psalm. It says here, for the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous. And the world tells us that the righteous finish last. You know what? I don't think so. But the way of the ungodly shall perish. That is for sure. Is it not? I've had, I had several people, and I'm not going to name names here. You wouldn't know me if I named the names. When I was a very young man, just... You're going to go to Bible college? You're going to waste your life and be a preacher? You? I'll tell you what. I'll compare my life to theirs any day. Because God knows the way of the righteous. Their lives have brought nothing but death and suffering. When you start serving God, it brings you life and peace and these blessings that God talks about. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. Be careful. Ask God to tune your ears. The only way they're going to get tuned is meditating in this book called the Bible. Nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. He shall be like a tree planted. I've got a purpose in my life. 
I, I've got direction. I've got something that God wants me to do. That bringeth forth his fruit in his season, his leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. The ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind driveth away. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. Amen. Dear Heavenly Father, we come.